Welcome to Maximum Octane and your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution in the automotive industry. I'm your host, Kim Hickey, former shop owner turned industry educator, speaker, and entrepreneurial motivator. Each week during our ride together, you will hear unfiltered stories of inspiration and transformation shared by successful business owners and CEOs. Their experiences will motivate you to do things you never thought possible, encourage you to reach your full potential, and help you to exchange unproductive habits for productive ones. While many of my guests will be related to the automotive industry, it's crucial in the world of tomorrow that we stop being silos and we open our minds to ideas and inspiration from other industries as well. We also know that to be truly successful in business, you must have a healthy work and home life balance. All of my guests are handpicked with these crucial elements in mind. Our industry is evolving by the second, and we need to as well. Buckle up, because here we go. Welcome back, Maximum Octane. It is time, it is time, it is time. Mr. Michael Bennett is joining me today, one of my dear friends and colleagues. How are you, Michael? I'm doing fine, Miss Kim. Uh, I know you're doing lovely and wonderful as always. Yeah, a little, little little distracted this morning. So I'll try to keep my, we all know how I have my little squirrel things. They're, they're finally doing my roof after when was hurricane Ian on September 28th. So it, uh, it's, uh, interesting, very interesting. They do not do the roofs in Florida like they did in Arizona. I'm used to quiet. Here's a new piece of membrane with some cool coating over it. Pretty quiet here. It sounds like, I don't know, the, the Broadway uh, performance of river dances is, is going on up there. And <laughs> flying nails and all, all kinds of stuff. So, Michael, for those of you that maybe have not listened to us before on here, or you, you are a shop owner in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And you are also an executive coach and Profit First Certified and Geno Certified and PXT Certified and all kinds of things that, that help you work with your members and uh, have a good understanding of what's going on, as well as you coach the CEOs and COOs in our, in our CEO program. So you have a pretty busy plate. And you also write for Ratchet & Wrench. Yeah, look, you know, listen, you try and do whatever you can to support the industry. And what do they say? You know, idle hands are, are bad hands. So we, we certainly <laughs> keep ourselves busy, don't we? We do, we do. And you also travel all over the country and speak at different industry events. So you, you have a lot of uh, information because when you travel all over, you get to see firsthand also, besides what's going on in your shop, all over mm-hmm. the country and all different size shops and, and other things. And so um, one of the things that you're also very good with is keeping up on everything going on in the economics of our industry. So Hopefully you can share a little bit of that knowledge today. And if anybody wants the, because of the podcast, it's kind of tricky to do the podcast and have it be where you can listen or tune into YouTube. So if you would like to have a copy of the the slide presentation that normally Mike would show, you can email me at info at maximumoctane.com or you can go, I'll attach it to the YouTube video. So there's that. So anyway, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. What, what we'd like to do today is, you know, so one of the things that I've found is, is super critical for our industry and, and for our business leaders who really are trying to, you know, understand how they can be a little bit more proactive in understanding 
our industry, some of the longer term trends and being in front of some of those trends. Uh, I spend a lot of time looking into the economics of our industry and how do those economics uh, react to or are driven by the general economic condition of, of the U.S. economy. And so I think one of the things that's really important is to understand kind of as a foundational element is, thank goodness, to some extent, our industry is a bit um, sheltered or at least insulated from the general economy. As, as we know right now, depending on on what what bit of news or, you know, what uh, information source you're looking at, I mean, our industry, our, our, excuse me, our economy in the U.S. is really attached to the to the world economy is just it's kind of on a roller coaster. It depends on what day and what hour of the day you're paying attention as to what the opportunity or the, you know, the great danger of the of the moment is. But the reality is, is that our industry, the the aftermarket auto repair industry, what we call the DIFM or do it for me industry, which is consumers that that choose to engage with um, our industry and our providers, our shop owners in providing goods and services for, for their automotive needs. When we look at that economy, interestingly enough, we kind of run general or excuse me, generally we run counter cyclic to the regular economy. What that means in, in basic terms is when the economy as a whole is struggling, things feel tight. There's things that, that are impacting consumer confidence uh, that are maybe pulling back expenditures in the general economy and consumers' willingness to, to go out and engage with the economy. It really, in a lot of cases, lends itself to things going well in our part of the world, right? When we think about this, this, this relationship that consumers have with their automobiles, we really fit into to one of the niches that is considered somewhat as an essential. I mean, when when consumers think about their own personal budgets and their own personal economies, what they're really thinking about is, that, you know, they need to be able to secure, obviously, a roof over the head, so some some level of accommodations in life. Two, they've got to be able to provide for themselves with, with basic necessities, including food, on top of the shelter. And then finally, in most cases, they consider an absolute, absolute necessity is the ability to travel freely. That's the ability to get to work and to be able to do the things that are critical to supporting the first two. You know, so while you're general, mentioning that, I hear a lot of people say nobody's driving anymore. Nobody's driving. The, the mileage has greatly decreased. And used to be average, you know, Kelly Blue Book and all went by about 15,000 miles a year. And I just looked up the other day uh, the latest stats for AAA and some of the other organizations. And it's between 13 and 15,000 a year on, on an average, which means there's obviously people driving a lot more than that and some driving less, but that, that hasn't gone away. And for some reason we're like, no, people aren't driving anymore. We're losing opportunities. And that's just not the case. Yeah. That's a connective assumption. You know, right. You hear, you hear about the, you know, in, in the modern employment workplace, we think about all this remote work and then that means people are staying home. They're not going into the office. That's maybe true to some extent, but it really hasn't changed the overall use of the vehicle. Uh, you're right. Statistically, whether it's through AAA or any of the other insurance-based medium that are tracking this stuff, we've really not seen a, a drastic reduction in the number of miles that are that are traveled. I mean, we have seen, and this has been a long-term trend in the industry just because of manufacturing of vehicles, the service intervals have extended, which which means maybe that drives fewer visits per year, but it's not being driven based upon lesser mileage. Now, the only caveat to that is obviously there are some markets in the economy that maybe have seen a little bit more retraction in the miles driven to others. But, you know, as a whole across the nation, no, we haven't seen that number really change. But, you know, again, understanding that, it, that to some extent we are counter cyclic, 
let's kind of talk a little bit about just where we are economically in our industry right now, kind of what's been some of the trends and maybe a little bit of what we see predictively going on over the next uh, maybe 24 months or so and what we think is going to drive it. So first of all, I think it is important to understand the, the context of our industry. I was actually looking at some statistics this morning, Kim, and looking all the way back to about 2004 through current, the end of 2022, our industry has grown from around $130 billion annualized that consumers will spend in our industry to over 213, almost $214 billion annually. That's billion with a B, dollars that are spent in the automotive aftermarket. Simple math would tell us that's about a 40% increase across that period of time. Although, yes, we've seen little ripples that that may show uh, slight retractions. That occurred back in 2008 with the the economic collapse. And, of course, we know what happened in, in COVID. But generally speaking, as an industry, we're exceptionally healthy and we are growing. And the good news is, uh, is across a tract, we see that increasing. When we look out from where we are today at around $214 billion and where we think we're going to be mid-year in, say, 2025, we expect that number to probably be out around $230 billion. So again, continued growth over the next couple of years. Now, what that growth is going to look like is a little bit of what we think we want to talk about. Um, because as we've seen what's happening in the general economy over the last 12 to 18 months, the forecast has has changed just a little bit. What what we see, what the indicators tell us when we're looking specifically at our part of the industry is 2023 will continue to show a level of growth. We're going to see growth probably uh, sticking in the north of 5% growth range. We're going to see somewhere between a 5 and a 10% growth range through uh, of the four quarters of 2023 but that growth will be decelerating. By the time we reach 2024, we're going to see still see a condition of growth. Just the, the level of growth will probably drop, drop back a little bit. As a matter of fact, we're predicting that in by 2020, uh, excuse me, third quarter of 2024, that we might actually see not only a zero growth rate in our industry for a short quarter, we might even see a half a percent of retraction. Uh, so the good news is, is even in the worst case, should we see should we see a quarter's flatline uh, in growth to to a zero rate? It's it's going to be a relatively small retraction, less than a half a percent probably, and really through the end of 2024 into 2025, we see a reacceleration of growth at a rate of about five percent or so. So that's the overall look of where we really think that's going to be. The the good news is we've actually seen a bit of an acceleration in 2023. In other words, we had thought that we were going to see a little bit of a pullback in 2023. We're actually seeing that push out a little bit to the 2024 timeframe. I don't know about you, but in the circles that I travel in, I, I don't have anyone that's out looking for a new car or wanting to unless they're going to pay cash for it because the interest rates and then, but you know, though all the world economics is saying, hold on to your cash. So don't spend it. So people are sort of in a holding pattern, I think for purchasing new vehicles, which is great for our industry. Yeah. Statistically it's, I had actually seen a large consumer segment uh, survey that was done. Um, So in uh, December of 2022, there was a large survey that was done by Yahoo, 
We knew them as a survey survey agency, but they they had a very large percentage of consumer base sampling. And what they saw is that nearly 70% of respondents said that they had put off making a large capital purchase in 2022 uh, due to, to economic forces, mostly just uncertainly of what's going on in the economy, the increase in prices, and most importantly, specifically two things that were that, that really were driving this. One, obviously, is the interest rate. You can't buy a car as cheap. As a matter of fact, when we look at car loans, when we look at June of 2019 through the end of 2022, we've seen a nearly $150 increase in the average cost of a new car loan. Wow. Between the end of middle of 2019 and the end of 2020. So in the standard American household, you know, to take a monthly budget figure and say, okay, we're going to increase that by $150 a month. That's huge, right? That's the kind of thing that, that really impacts the consumer's ability to one, make additional purchases or two, even be able to make that purchase decision. I actually heard in January that the average cost of a new car for the first time in history is now over $50,000. The new cost of a car is $50,000. So $50,000 and the interest rates that are now attached to the loans that are necessary are really, really prohibitive. Couple that with a couple of other things. I, I saw a really interesting survey again that was in 2011, the average cost of a home, the medium household was around $225,000 and the average payment is around $1,000 a month. Same period of time in 2022, the average cost of, uh, of a house has gone from 225000 to $471,000. That's just crazy. $471,000. And the average monthly payment, hold on your hat, went from $1,020 to $2,012. Thousand bucks a month. So you have $1,000 a month that the house payment has now gone up, $150 that a car payment has gone up. You really start to see the forces that are that are really impacting people's confidence in their ability to to maintain their own household budgets, even on the most important essentials in life. I think quality too. You, you know, a lot of things that I hear from people and in discussions now is that the new cars are junk, and you know, it's fifty thousand dollars for a car that in their mind is not worth fifteen thousand dollars. You know, a few years ago, and so they're not willing to make that spend because it's not something they're feeling great value for. I, my son is visiting and we were driving Saturday, I think uh, on uh, by, by my house and we were just at the red light adding up what all of the cars cost new, you know, just right around. Just sitting in traffic, know? right? And it was crazy. I mean, it averaged from 50 something thousand to probably 110, you know, and it's just like just sitting right here in looking at the cars that are 50,000, it's like, holy cow, what are you getting for that? You know, and that's what a lot of people are also saying, like, we're not willing, it's not a luxury, you know, it used to be, I think, years ago, when somebody spent $50,000 on a vehicle was a luxury, oh, I'll pull out all the stops, everything. And now it's like a basic vehicle almost for that. And people are like, I'm not paying that, which again, is great for us. It's fantastic for us. Again, when we when we look at not only the fact that the 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 vehicles in operation, so registered vehicles in the United States continue to go up year after year. We're north of 290 million vehicles registered in the United States um, that are being used, and a vast vast majority of those are what's called individually owned light vehicles. That's my car, your car. 
they're not fleets, they're not trucks, they're not all that kind of vast, vast majority of those 290 million vehicles are, are vehicles you and I could own. But at the same time, we're also seeing that that the average age of vehicle is now well north of 12, 12 years old. And because of factors like you're talking about, one, the inability to, to find vehicles. So last year, our normal pre-COVID annual vehicle purchase, you know, manufactured vehicles purchased brand new was around 17 to 19 million vehicles purchased in the U.S. It ended up at the time working out to about an 8% flip of the fleet. Last year, it was 13 million. So whether that's just decision to make the purchase, can't find, uh, can't find um, stock, the kind of car that you want, or it's just too expensive, the loan's too expensive, who knows? But we dropped from 17 to 19 million down to 13 million. So that means for the fleet to continue to grow, people are having to keep their vehicles. And when a cost of a new car or even a good used car is now north of $40,000, people are like, I could spend a lot of money on this vehicle and still be well ahead of the game. And I think... The reality is, is that for, for the foreseeable future, that's a lot of what we're probably going to see driving the economy of our industry is the fact that we we have people that, that see maintaining vehicles as a much greater viable option. Now, that being said, let's flip back to the economics of, of, of our industry and just in general. So one of the major drivers with this, this consideration that you were talking about because if you think about it, even when we hear what, what's being talked about in the news right now and kind of what are some of the things that are confusing to the Federal Reserve, right? Because they're continuing to raise interest rates and typically, you know, that'll drive down purchase and demand and, you know, you get some layoffs or, or, or firings and the, and the unemployment rate goes up and that's, that cools the economy. The problem is the economy is not cooling. The demand is staying high. The job market is is really actually continued to accelerate short of little pockets like high tech. But that being said, last year, we saw this, this general trend that from kind of the beginning of 2022 through the end of 2022, we actually saw the cost inflation outpaced the increase in wages. Over the last couple of years, you know, we've, we've heard about this competitiveness in the job market and wages going up. And for the longest time, most of 2020, most of 2021, we actually saw raises that people's income outpacing inflation. So it didn't matter if, if prices were going up because of supply chain problems. People had more money in their pocket. They just were willing to pay more. Well, last year, we actually saw that begin to reverse. And we actually saw the cost of money and the rate of inflation going above the increases in pay. So that began to slow things down. That's what really drove this people's unwillingness to consider 70% of the population was unwilling to consider a capital purchase in 2022, started to slow things down. What we know is likely to occur in 2023 is the economy will continue. Inflation is going to continue to soften a little bit. And the general rise of, of wages is once again going to outpace the, the inflationary rate. So what the flip of that is, is that when we look at 2023, and that same question is being asked to the same people said, I wouldn't buy something in 2022. Now people in 2023, 40% of those same respondents said they are willing to make a capital, large capital purchase, whether that's a new car, a used car, or otherwise. So the good news is what that really tells us is the sentiment begins to move. And that's one of the reasons when we see consumer sentiment move, they feel like their buying power will be greater 
That's one of the things that really drives our part of the economy. And it's, again, one of the reasons why we think 2023 is going to continue to show a a significant rate of growth in our part of the industry. Again, well north of 5%, probably closer to 8 or 9% on an annual um, run rate when we get even really to the fourth quarter of this year. So one of the things that's really important in our industry is we, you know, we started to hear at the end of 2023, we had shops that have big backlogs of work that are, you know, all of a sudden starting to say, hey, I'm a little slow, you know, uh, if I'm a little quiet, maybe cash flow is getting a little tight. I got to be honest, Kim, I think the reality is, is we, we as an industry, to some extent, got a little lazy, right? We got a little, I know. little lulled I just, in. I'm fighting back my, my soapbox here of let's, all let's, of the Let's things. just, you and I go on the soapbox for a few minutes because- You're right. A little bit. You know, we had people that were backlogged three weeks worth of work. I can't get it all done. I don't have time to market. I don't have time to exit scale. I don't have time to do all the normal things that we should have been doing no matter what. And unfortunately, some of those organizations are paying a little bit of the piper. The good news is, okay, maybe some of those folks get a little reprieve as we get into the to the meat of 2023, because, again, we should see demand accelerate. But as an industry, you know, it's that typical deal, you know, catch me once, shame on me or shame on you. Catch me twice, shame on me. This is a point when our industry really ought to be intro-reflective, self-reflective and say, what can I learn about what happened at the end of 2022? And what's my opportunity in 2023 to really prepare ourselves for 2024? We feel like the extension of some of this recessionary talk may begin to have a little continued pullback, right? I just, I can't, I got to just blurt this out or my head is going to explode. At the end of the pandemic, during the start of the pandemic, the middle of the pandemic, and towards the end, every business owner I know said, we will never put ourselves in this position again. (laughs) We will never stop marketing. We will never stop trying to build our bench and attract talent. We will never stop asking our internal customers how they are and, and working on the culture and all of the things that they swore they would never put themselves in that position again. Mm-hmm. As soon as the floodgates open and people started getting busy, it went out the window. So it, it just makes me insane that we're starting again from ground zero. We're starting again from ground zero. Well, we should have been marketing and we did it. We should have been paying attention on people. We did not We should have been trying to track talent. We didn't, you know, like it's because we were too busy. So I, I just, uh, all right. I'm done. So let's but and to an excellent point, but, but let's expand this a little bit beyond, you know, just our part of the industry, Kim, because we can get a little pigeonholed in the automotive sector. Every I mean, business. How many, right. How many places have we gone where the attention to detail, the quality of service, and more importantly, customer service has just eroded? It's gone downhill. I mean, there's almost no place that you can go where you don't end up saying somewhere along the line, oh, geez, you know, that that's not fun. Or, you know, my goodness gracious, that was bad service. I mean, as an as in a as as a community of of businesses, just in the general economy, we've really gotten ourselves into the well. This is what we'll settle for, sort of thing, as opposed to really leaning in on our culture, and our values, and our best business proposition, and and really trying to motivate people towards our purpose and what we do. And the the good news is is that twenty twenty three is probably going to give us the opportunity for a bit of a reset. And if I had one message 
that I would. How many resets, along. Mike? Do we need? How many resets do business owners need? I mean, we need just as many resets as is necessary to get it right. How's that for an answer? But here's, you know, again, shame on us if we don't use the opportunity. So if I could, if I could, you know, leave any one single nugget and say, you know, what is our opportunity to to get it right in for in 2023 to 2024? It is absolutely about going back to those those ideas of basics and really, really concentrating on the things that will, again, differentiate ourselves in the economy and in the marketplace. So while we're Uh, on this topic, I just want to say as a consumer, when I go into your place of business or I call for something, I don't care that you can't find people. I don't care that you're busy and booked out, whatever. I don't care. It's not my problem. And if you can't take care of my problem, then I need to go somewhere else. Your problem's not my problem. And that's, I'm, I'm so sick of going anywhere regardless of what, and, and people are just rude in a lot of places. And when you ask, you know, a question or something, they're like, we're really busy right now, or we're shorthanded, or we can't find help. And it's like, then close your doors, then do something, change your hours, have less hours, do something because Having a big empty store or shop or restaurant with three people work. I mean, it's just crazy. All right. Mm -hmm. I promise I'm done ranting. I'm done ranting right now. But I just, it's crazy. We have this like opportunity to just wow people and deliver an amazing experience and give back to our why and what we started our dang businesses for. And Mm -hmm. it's like... A hundred percent. I mean, you know, your your soapbox is absolute reality. What I'm just sitting here and it makes me think of we haven't talked to or you haven't talked to recently, Dennis Snow, right? And and uh, that that you know the the magic of Disney and and keeping you know keeping backstage backstage and front stage front stage yep. makes everything me think speaks. of exactly like everything speaks. You're right. So there's you know, even it, signs, and I've been taking pictures of them on my phone because I just can't believe it that they're in in restaurants and even the doctor's office or whatever now that is posted. We're shorthanded and don't be rude and like this very negative thing. It's like before you even open the door, it's like we are shorthanded. Don't ask any questions or whatever. We'll get to you when we get to you. And I'm like, how how is this acceptable to walk into a place that you're paying money for and get smacked in like with this rude sign before you even like, and if that doesn't put you to expect horrible service when that's on the front door, I, 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 it's shocking to me. Well, you know, listen, and that will be acceptable only as long as it's acceptable. And, and so when we think about things from an opportunity point of view, uh, think about the quick way to differentiate yourself in a market in the marketplace, right? Yes. Just start doing it right when everybody else is doing it wrong. Take down your sign and be the only one without a sign saying, don't be rude. We're shorthanded. You're the North Star in the marketplace, if that makes sense. Um, So that being said, you know, one of the last things I want to do is is talk a little bit about, again, what what our economy, what our marketplace can really think about. Everything we just talked about, a little soapbox we went off on on service and, and making customer experience and really doing uh, all of our all of our deliverables and expectations with our customers as far as marketing and follow up and process quality of service is huge. But I do want to talk a little bit about, again, confirmed trends for the long term uh, in our industry. A couple of years ago, one of the marketing industry uh, forecast tools that I use 
came out with a, a very bold statement talking about growth on in our industry. And they really talked about over a, a two to three year period growth north of $26 billion in a very short period of time. And, and more importantly, they had focused in on the channels in our industry that they thought were really going to drive that growth. At the time, that was very focused on what they called foreign nameplates and the services around foreign nameplates. And that was important because it allowed us to begin to understand where the consumer expectation and, and where their product desires are heading. We, we absolutely know that when we look at the 290 million vehicles that are on the road in the U.S. and the general trends of purchase, the vast majority of that has been trending towards foreign nameplates. Uh, and we say that specifically for, for, for one reason and understanding that. Although we, we generally in the economy do not see a lot of brand loyalty. I buy the exact same brand of car every time I buy a car. What we do see, and especially with younger generations of consumers, when they buy a brand, whatever it is, I have a BMW, I want experts that can service my specific brand. They look for specialist and highest quality, all the things that go along with that. Now, next time they buy a car, they may get attracted to the cute little Lexus, and they'll go from the BMW to Lexus, but then they want to find a, a Lexus right. expert. So it's this idea that, one, we know that, that a lot of the marketplace is moving towards more foreign nameplates. But specifically, we know that, again, those foreign nameplates, consumers are going to be looking for experts. And so that that speaks to us as far as what our capabilities. So real quick, I told you about the figure of $26 billion was what was expected to come into the industry. When the, when the chips all fell, it was actually closer to about $30 billion. So they actually undershot it. And we actually have seen a $30 billion increase. The vast majority of that increase came across four market segments, which I think are important to let you know. Number one is what they call foreign specialists. So these are people that concentrate on a specific narrow set of services. So for example, in the old days, it used to be a brake shop or a muffler shop or an oil change or alignment shop. In today's world, this might be EV or it might be a drivability or it might be alignment or, or ADOS or something of that nature. But foreign specialist, a specialist, uh, a repair specialist, excuse me, repair specialist, was the largest segment of that growth at about, I think it was it was something north of an eight and a half million, a billion dollars of the 30 billion. The next segment, believe it or not, was actually came in the dealer world that had a lot to do with, again, their focus on their can't sell a car, they've got to be able to service a car. And so they kind of came from nowhere to you know some market share. But then the other area that, that showed up, number three on the list, uh, was was this foreign specialist, not repair specialist, foreign specialist. And I think that's important to understand, again, is that we've seen a big shift towards, if you own a BMW, I'm looking for a BMW shop. If you own a Lexus, I'm looking for a Lexus shop. And I think it's important for us to understand because what does it mean for us in preparing for continued growth in that segment? And what I mean by that is, how does everybody find us? It's online search. So when we think about websites and SEO, we've got to specifically get our marketing people targeting foreign brands, right? We have to show up as the authority in that area when somebody is like BMW specialist near me. So not I only do we have- I not to interrupt because I know people will be listening and be like, I, I'm, I can't just stop working on Fords or whatever to make my whole business. So this isn't throughout your entire business model and- 
You don't work on anything else besides BMW if you're a BMW specialist. This is doing the proper marketing and training that you can have within your house of whatever else you have, those specialists, right, Mike? And that's exactly right. We're, we're not saying that, that you have to dump foreign cars and, and move specifically to, or, or dump domestic cars and move specifically to foreign cars. It's just you have to recognize that if that's where the marketplace is going, it's a different message that's going to bring that consumer to you. So again, marketing, SEO, website has got to be all targeted for that. When the phone rings or when inquiries occur, because most people want to do things online and you probably got to have some form of that, then you got to make sure that your people that are that are going to be communicating are well-versed and trained in being able to recognize those customers. Where does the inquiry come from and how can I specifically uh, tailor, customize my presentation to assure that person that we are that specialist that they're looking for? That means that we have to prepare to deliver. So that when that customer comes in, we really do have to be able to have a higher level of expertise. So that's training. We got to make sure that we have training in those areas, which is hugely important. We don't have time to um, train, Mike. We're too busy. Better figure it out. And there are many, many ways that we can make an investment in that. We better have the tooling to make sure that we we really can deliver on these things that these vehicles will need. And so I think it's really important that when we think about it, this isn't just a trend. It's how do we set ourselves to be on the front side of taking advantage of that trend from marketing to, to sales training, to technical training, to infrastructure and being able to with tools and equipment and, and information systems be prepared to deliver, which is super important to us as well. The fourth area that was a huge grow um, was, again, it was the tire segment. So when we start thinking about, again, our part of the world and, and some services that, that we think can really let you take advantage to the highest rates of growth, tires is one of those areas. EVs are going to tell us tires are going to wear up about twice as fast. So we see a big growth curve there. When you look at those four, the top four areas that dominated the, the over 30 or the $30 billion in increase, Three of those are our part of the industry. Over 18 and a half billion of the 30 billion. So the vast majority of growth actually occurred in our part of the industry. The question is, is what are you doing to make sure you're prepared to grab your piece of that growth? And that would be the final thought that I would leave, leave us with is, you know, we're an industry of opportunity right now. Um, yes, we're going to see some economic oscillation, some roller coastering of, of what growth and expansion looks like. These are just forces that are related to kind of what's going on in the economy, but we will continue to progress and we will continue to grow. The question is, is what are we doing to be on the front side in product offering, customer service, proactively, you know, uh, stabilizing our database and more importantly, our base census, you know, by best practices and staying honed in. So uh, I, I think this is a typical thing. The, the strongest shall survive and, and thrive. And I think we've talked about some things today, Kim, that might give people some ideas of where they can concentrate their efforts to get the best bang for the buck right now as they're trying to, to think about how do I grow and take advantage of the industry over the next couple of years. As always, love everything you share and appreciate you doing all the research so that I don't have to on many of those things. It makes me very happy. And I, I just love that there's so much opportunity and there's so many people out there that look at everything in the news and 
wherever else they hear it. And it's just doom and gloom and nobody's buying cars. So we're not going to have new ones in circulation and, you know, to start maintaining in three years and all of those things that people aren't spending money, they haven't, whatever. And every single one of those things is an opportunity for us. And we, we need to take advantage of it and stop just letting things happen. It's, it's almost like a victim mentality in our industry sometimes of, oh, we can't, you know, the economy or the this or the that, and that all these things are happening to us and it's happening for us. I mean, there's some wonderful opportunities out there if you're paying attention and being strategic about what's going on and not just, you know, day to day. So I, I appreciate all the insight and information and uh, check us out. We're going to have, we'll have the the slides, like I said, up uh, for on YouTube, posted on our YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe and, and like there. So you see when the new episodes, they're rolling the retro, they're calling it retro. I feel really old now because they're the beginning podcasts that weren't on YouTube, Mike, they're, they're like, this is a retro episode. So I'm like, <laughs> I feel old that I'm having retro stuff already so that's um, all right i think i think retro is in is in vogue now so you're just you're just being trendy it is very yes trendy 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 or you can email me at info at maximumoctane.com and i can send it to you and as always mike thank you very much and everybody stay safe make good choices stay inspired and i will be back next week bye-bye thank you for listening to this episode of maximum octane your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas, or you just want to be a guest on my show, I want to hear from you. You can reach me directly at mlpodcast at autotraining.net. Thanks for listening and keep seeking information everywhere that you can.